TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. All right. I am getting ready for what I hope will be a really good show. And tonight we have a lot of great guests that are up and ready to go. And part of those guests, it's a pretty wide variety, but a lot of them has to look at the county and what may be going on inside of the county when it comes to the loop trolley and the request of more than a million dollars. Kurt Prenzler is joining us, chair of the East-West Gateway Council of Governments, a little bit uh, later this hour in about 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes from now. Tom Sullivan later in the show. We're also going to talk to Dr. Michael J. Young on his book of about uh, illness of medicine, experiences of a clinical practice. Interesting thought there, too. But I wanted to at least start off by looking at the money we're about to spend, your money that we are about to spend in the form of this COVID relief bill. I've heard people across the country say this bill today is costly, corrupt and liberal. It's a laundry list of left wing priorities that predate the pandemic and do not meet the needs of the American families. Do not meet the needs of the families. Now, there are things that do meet the needs of the families. It's just that there's so much more on top of it that don't really do anything. So individuals, $1,400. Dependents, $1,400. Uh, it just depends on your age, I guess, and if you are claiming uh, claimed as a dependent or not on the last way, uh, wave of the with files uh, or the taxes were filed. And then they even open up the door for future increases to the child tax credit. So if you have those dependents and you're claiming them and they'll send you the check for them, you may actually get an extra grand. Originally, it's $2,000 a year credit for a dependent. They're bumping that up to three. And they're even looking at crediting you that through the form of giving you monthly payments this year in order to forward the tax credit for next year. That's interesting. They want to forward a tax credit that way. I wonder the implications on your taxes if your income changes over the year and then that tax credit doesn't do as much or I don't know. I I don't know if any of that's considered a thought up if they're going to try to on the front end give you some money that would implicate the taxes and the situation that you are in the next year because at least the $1,400 have no impact. They just give that to you. It doesn't have anything to do with your taxes. It's just something that's given to you and you don't have to claim it. Nancy Pelosi, pretty happy over this one. This is the most consequential legislation that many of us will ever 
be a party too. Oh my! So except that they did it last year twice. <laughs> They've already spent up. What was it? Six billion now, including this one, or is it more than that? But the big portion of this, the one point nine trillion dollars, as pointed out by other organizations, is that very little of it actually goes to spending when it comes to fighting COVID. Two trillion dollars in spending. PolitiFact reports that 14 to 20 billion goes to vaccine distribution. That's one to two percent. One to two percent. And then afterwards, 350 billion go to states and local governments. They got money going to trains and planes and automobiles. They got money going to every corner that you can think of that you would scratch your head and say, why do they need 270 million for the national endowments of the arts? Why do they need $200 million for museums and library services? Why do they need $91 million for outreach for student loan borrowers? Why do they need $50 million for environmental justice grants? Why do they need, and then you could just go on and on, $45 billion for Obamacare subsidies? Why do they need $4 billion for disadvantaged farmers and ranchers? Why? So with no answer to that, people are saying there's just too much waste in this because it's going all over the place. It's not even being spent solely here in the United States. We've got hundreds of millions, close to a trillion dollars even, going out, uh, what was it, 750, not, excuse me, uh, close to a billion dollars, 750 last check, going overseas to other countries to help aid them. So we're spending money that should be going to Americans that are going to Americans. What's up with that? So here's Nancy Pelosi. She's just very happy. Chuck Schumer, too. We say to America, help is on the way. We were a seamless web. And we work together, Democrats on the House side, Democrats on the on the Senate side, all together because we knew how important this was to America. And you know what we can show America? It's so important to America that you spent a lot of our tax dollars to throw it overseas to eight other countries. OK, so important to us that we had to throw our money where it's not benefiting us. I got gotcha. you. There are a lot of issues to it, and Wagner even. It is shameful that Democrats have disregarded their obligation to provide real COVID relief to the American people. Federal taxes, spending, and even the deficit continued to rise, and this is just going to add on top of it. We're talking about record federal taxes, spending, and deficits at an all-time high through February. Not the statistic you want to hear about at all. All right, so after the break, our friend Brad Young's going to join us from Harris, Dahl, Fisher & Young on the Rams lawsuit. There was an update to that today. We'll get an update on it. This is Overnight America KMOX. St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX. Hey, welcome back to Overnight America. All right. Quite a night. Quite a night. In the news today, the Rams lawsuit apparently will not go to trial until at least next year to join us and talk about that is a partner at Harris Dow Fisher and Young. Brad Young, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan, and I was listening to your COVID-19 uh, relief bill analysis, and I've got a question. You know, mm -hmm. can I claim my dog and my daughter's pet snake as dependents? They'll never know. In fact, uh, there's so much fraud in it already. I think you're the least of their worries. Now, maybe if you started a fake company and then you requested about $5 million for that company, they might come for you. <sighs> 
Well, I, I, I should do that. But, you know, speaking of fraud, you did mention the Rams. <laughs> yes. <How's> <laughs> I like how you said. Way, huh? <laughs> I like how you said. Oh, I should do that. Speaking of fraud. Well, I wanted to uh, give an update to the Rams situation. And I know it's one that you follow closely. And maybe we could talk about everything that's led up to this moment because they're in the news again. Apparently, the lawsuit that should have started this year. I guess in the background, but there should have been at least an advancement to it this year. It looks like maybe pushed off a couple of months, but uh, let's kind of go back and recap exactly what is involved in this lawsuit with St. Louis and the Rams organization. Sure. The, the, the St. Louis Convention Center, in addition to St. Louis City and St. Louis County, uh, has filed a 50, actually it's a 52-page lawsuit against the Rams against Stan Kroenke, both individually and corporately, and also against every single owner in the NFL. And they filed that lawsuit shortly after the Rams announced uh, that they were moving to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And the, the basis for the lawsuit is essentially this. Fraud, misrepresentation, uh, a breach of contract, those are all against the Rams and Stan Kroenke. But as, as far as the all of the other owners... The, the St. Louis Convention Center and the St. Louis uh, Convention Bureau is also suing for tortious interference with a business expectancy, which is one of my favorite causes of action, because <laughs> essentially what that says is, is that we were we had a contractual expectancy to receive revenue over a very long period of time. And because you, the NFL and all of the owners individually interfered with that relationship, we've suffered damages. And St. Louis has alleged a billion, that's with a B, a billion dollars in damages. Now, of course, in a lawsuit, uh, it's typical that you add in every single damage that you possibly can, but they're also alleging punitive damages. And so this lawsuit isn't going anywhere until it goes to trial. Do lawyers get together for lunch and sit down and they say, okay, everybody, name your top five causes of action, order from uh, most favorite <laughs> to least favorite? Is that common with lawyers to, to name their oh, most favorite of anything? Ab absolutely. And in fact, if we, when I get together with at dinner with my attorney friends, uh, we, we try to come up with names of, of uh, food items and drink selections that are in Latin. So that makes it really <laughs> fun, let me tell you. And I generally have to elbow my wife to wake her up. But uh, yeah, that's what we do when we, when we go to dinner. Uh, so well. there's been a lot, oh, I know, a lot of action so far on this because they've already started interviews, apparently through means of Zoom or whatever, those type of uh, online video services. So they've started depositions, I believe. Yes. Right. Okay. In fact, Stan Kroenke himself was deposed at the end of January via Zoom. I've done a lot of depositions over Zoom over the last 12 months, and and uh, it's very underwhelming, I will assure you of that. But th what's interesting about the deposition of Stan Kroenke is two things. First of all, it lasted two days, two full eight-hour days uh, okay. was the deposition. So there's 16 hours of testimony from Stan Kroenke from January. And then what does that the, mean? The like, what's a typical thing? amount of time you would spend in deposition then? The the most I've ever been in a deposition, I spent eight hours deposing a neurologist in Chicago one time. That's mm -hmm. probably my uh, all-time limit in terms of a deposition. But 
uh, I can assure you that uh, the attorneys for St. Louis went through every statement, every assertion, every public comment from Stan Kroenke talking about how we're committed to St. Louis. We want to stay in St. Louis. In fact, one of the comments that's listed in the uh, in the lawsuit, in the 52-page lawsuit, is Kroenke saying, we're going to do everything we can, and I'm 99% sure we're going to keep the Rams in St. Louis for this foreseeable future. Well, that wow. was all after he'd already bought property in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, boy. So that, so, so that, by definition, is fraud when you tell the city we're going to stay here in St. Louis, but you're already sending architects out to design your new stadium uh, in California. So uh, that deposition lasted two days, 16 hours of testimony, and it's sealed because of mm-hmm. the terms of the, of the litigation. All litigation is sealed and cannot be released publicly until the case proceeds to trial. I see. So afterwards, is there going to be an opportunity to actually see video of this deposition? Will that be released to the public? Uh, I presume that it will be uh, because all lawsuits are a public record. So if this case proceeds to trial, unless there's a settlement, uh, it will be a public record and anyone can obtain that from the actual uh, court file. Oh, boy. So that's longer than a Marvel movie. I mean, you would have to really be dedicated (laughs) to to watch one of these tapes uh, or you would have to be the intern that pulled the short Mm -hmm. straw that has to go through that over the course of a couple of days with a lot of pots of coffee. So uh, are they done with that stage or depositions over or since they're considering moving this and since they've um, now said at least until next year before they start this trial, could they continue to depose people? Could they continue to gather information or are those phases over with? No, in fact, they're just beginning. Uh, What's interesting to me, and to me, this is the most fascinating part of litigation is because it's all, particularly when you're dealing with very public companies, I represent a lot of public, very uh, uh, noteworthy companies. And those companies have a desire to, to have a good image in the public eye. And so what, what's interesting about the Rams litigation, Ryan, is that uh, the Rams sought and got permission from the judge to depose all of the owners if necessary, including mm-hmm. obtaining their cell phone records, the numbers of, uh, of the phones that they called on their cell phones, and the substance of their conversations. Now, in particular, if you're talking about Robert Kraft, the owner uh, one of the one of the owners of the NFL who had that little mm-hmm. massage parlor problem <laughs> down in Florida, you know, uh-huh. he doesn't want to give up his cell phone records. I can assure yeah. you of that. Oh, boy. And those haven't yeah. been taken yet. <laughs> and so that's why I think there's still a possibility of settlement of this litigation, because when Robert Kraft is faced with the prospect of giving up his cell phone records, all of a sudden settlement looks a lot more attractive. Or any of them, I could see a lot of powerful people thinking to themselves, this ain't good. Um, does it have to be contained just to this suit? Because we know that Stan Kroenke has dealings all over the place. Like he owns other teams. He's got his foot in other mm-hmm. businesses. Could could they accidentally stumble upon something else and that could become relevant? That's a great question. Uh, one of the things we fight, lawyers fight about this all the time in litigation. But in this particular lawsuit, since the basis of the, of the lawsuit is essentially fraud and misrepresentation, if the Rams had evidence of other dealings with Stan Kroenke's teams, whether they be in Denver or elsewhere, 
where fraud was involved, that would be relevant to show a pattern of conduct. So in other words, if the St. Louis attorneys can demonstrate that Stan Kroenke, and again, I'm talking hypothetically, can demonstrate a pattern of conduct where he utilized fraud in his business negotiations, that would conceivably be admissible as evidence in the in the St. Louis versus Stan Kroenke lawsuit. And those are the kinds of things that would have gone been gone over in detail in his deposition. Mm, interesting. Okay. Can perhaps the city of St. Louis, let's say they are pretty confident in the hand that they're playing, overplay their hand and say something like, you know what, I want you to shave that rat tail off your face. Like you, part of the settlement, you have to shave your mustache <laughs> just to really stick it to them, to say, we really don't like you. Is it possible for them, for them to do that legally? <laughs> Um, possible, yes, probable, <laughs> no. You know, what, one of the things, Ryan, people ask me all the time, people come up to me, this happens at least once a week, where someone says, you know, I, I slipped and fell, and I got this problem, but I'm not interested in the money, I'm not interested in the money, but how much do you think my lawsuit's worth? And then I tell them, and they say, well, that's not enough money. And I say, well, wait, I thought you said it wasn't about the money. You know, it's always, it's always about the money, my friend. Always, yep. every time, and underline always. Yeah, it's like you go to a garage sale and you think you found something valuable. Sometimes it's a half a million dollar, you know, plate from China, you know, from you know, 500 years ago. And sometimes it's a beanie baby that's worth nothing. But sometimes you think it's worth and it has value when it really doesn't. I guess lawsuits are like that in a certain way. Um, that's exactly. probably a bad uh, comparison. So when it comes to pushing this trial back, at least until next year, is there a ho home court advantage? Does this benefit any party? Well, it certainly benefits St. Louis for two reasons. First of all, the Rams have already explored all of their motions to, to uh, dismiss and motions for summary judgment. All of those have been denied. It's gone all the way up to the Missouri Supreme Court. It's all been denied. They have filed motions for a change of the venue, trying to get it out of Missouri. That's been denied. And the U.S. Supreme Court denied to hear, denied their appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. So at this point, this case will go to trial in the state of Missouri. There's no question about it unless it settles. So this delay of the lawsuit until 2022 allows the Rams to put more pressure on the owners of the NFL to produce their cell phone records, to produce documents they don't want to produce, and to submit for depositions. And the more pressure that the St. Louis legal team puts on the NFL owners to produce documents, produce cell phone records, and to submit to deposition, the more uh, it increases, rather, the likelihood that there could possibly be a settlement of this litigation. I still think mm -hmm. settlement is possible, not necessarily just based on the merits of the lawsuit, but because the NFL wants this to go away. And listen, if you're the NFL, the one thing you've got is, is buckets of money. And mm -hmm. so they could throw buckets of money at this case. The lawsuit that we saw before with the Rams when it came to the season ticket holders and buying the rights to a seat to get the season tickets and all, you know, they finally settled for that. And part of it was lawyer fees. So when you push a lawsuit back several months, does this just exponentially raise the amount of lawyer fees? And then could that also be put on the back end when they, if they do settle? Oh, absolutely. And, and listen, I, let me say right on the front end, I'm all in favor of lawyers getting paid. Okay. I'm <laughs> all in favor of that. I, 
I got kids to feed. I got college bills. You know, I'm all in favor of the lawyers getting paid. But jokes aside, yes, because the attorney's fees rise, and trust me, they are. That's going to add to the damages and add to the possibility of punitives. Then St. Louis gets to go to trial on this case in Missouri. St. Louis has a home field advantage. There's not going to be sympathy for the NFL here in the in the eastern Missouri area. And so that increases the pressure on the NFL to reach a settlement. All right. Brad Young from Harris Dahl Fisher and Young, partner from that firm. Thank you for coming on. And this is an exciting one. I really hope St. Louis wins this. I mean, not only do I hope they win it, I hope it's a blowout. I hope that it is so one-sided that we can look at this and finally move on from the Rams. It would be a great victory for us. Oh, it absolutely would. And don't forget, I've heard this said many times, but Stan Kroenke is lying like Wisconsin is to cheese. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Wait, hold on. If he's caught lying, could he face jail time? No, not really. I mean, it's oh, all civil bummer. damage. It's all <laughs> okay, civil damage. You know, would you like to see him behind in the Gray Bar Motel? I mean, would you <laughs> oh, that would love be to see that? I would love to see that. <laughs> I don't know how, but it would be awesome. All right. And then if uh, you get involved with all of these other owners from NFL teams, they'd be rooting for that, too, getting dragged into this thanks to him. All right. Well, uh, Brad <laughs> Young from Aristotle Fisher and Young, thank you for coming on tonight to KMOX. Always great to have you on. My pleasure, my friend. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. So after the break, we've heard a lot about the loop trolley and the potential of funding. I don't think anyone wants to throw more money at it, but there are proponents of it. And Kurt Prenzler is the chair of the East-West Gateway Council of Governments. He's going to come on to talk about that proposal and other things next on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. He's the new chair of the East-West Gateway Council of Governments, and to talk about the potential of additional funding going to the Loop Trolley, it doesn't seem there's a lot of support for it, but who knows? Maybe it's a good idea. Kurt Prenzler joins us. Uh, Welcome to Overnight America. Thank you, Ryan. It's not a popular thing among people that live in the area. I don't think they want to see over a million dollars go back into the loop trolley after all the additional money that was spent on it over the last couple of years. Where do you stand on that? Well, uh, first of all, uh, as as I'm 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 the uh, chair of the this year for the uh, uh, East West Gateway, but that is a rotating rotating position, and so really I speak on behalf of Madison County, Illinois. I'm chairman of the board. And uh, we have pretty much unanimously on our county board 
questioned the the wisdom of uh, bailing out the trolley. In fact, we opposed it. Our two, uh, the bi-state board has 10 board members, five from Missouri, five from Illinois. Our two board members have been uh, have been very uh, vocal in terms of opposing the bailout that uh, we thought had ended about a year ago. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm frankly surprised to see this being talked about again. I was pretty excited to Google the loop trolley and on it, it said permanently closed. And I thought, wow, this is great news. We don't have to worry about this. And then all of a sudden we're spending like drunken sailors for all the COVID spending. And we can think, oh, 1.2 million, not a big deal. Let's just throw it at the trolley. So I don't think there's a lot of supporters, at least from taxpayers, the way that they're looking at this sort of thing. Governmental, it seems to always have their proponents and ones that want to throw at it. I'm curious, what do you think the merits are of trying to even consider something like this? And what is our obligation when it comes to the loop trolley? Because there's always this threat that if we do nothing with it, there might be a greater penalty. So how do you balance those things? Well, as as I understand it, and uh, and uh, I have not ridden the trolley. I've listened to your website, and you've ac- you actually have. So kudos to you. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the trolley costs more than fifty million dollars. It's it it it's, it doesn't really go anywhere. It goes to the historical society. Uh, it's essentially it's really not transportation. It's more or less an amusement ride. It doesn't reduce congestion, traffic congestion. It doesn't reduce pollution. Uh, but let's let's try to put a positive. Let's look at it. They do have in the Delmar Loop. They have a one percent sales tax district that I understand produced about $900,000 a year pre-COVID. And I heard that they had an estimated cost of, of operating uh, the trolley at about $1.2 million. I was always puzzled, why don't the businessmen in the loop, why don't they chip in the difference? Uh, Washington University is close. Uh, you know, University City is a wealthy community. Uh, you know, why don't we see these organization, organizations chip in? Or why not go back to the voters they have a 1% sales tax. Why not go back to the, the loop uh, retail, retail establishment or have the voters uh, ask for a 1.5%, 1.5% sales tax? So this trolley, if it benefits anyone, it, it was kind of the brainchild of, of uh, individual business owners in the Delmar Loop. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that uh, they can't come up with the difference. The difference in my mind is is uh, they're they're generating uh, sales tax in their sales tax district, and they have a they have a cost. And you know, I'm, think- I'm surprised that they're not just continuing this themselves. Why are they reaching out to buy state? Why are they reaching out to other organizations? Yeah, and none of this should have actually have happened because their projections show this would be self-sustainable, it would be great. But even from the get-go, they realized they were in some major trouble because the money that was coming in wasn't even close to, it was probably, what, like 10% of what they anticipated would be coming in. And you're right about the pollution thing. I never really thought of that, mostly because you think of the lines and the electricity used for it. But when this thing goes down and you've got about a mile and a half of cars idling, that's not good when it comes to pollution in the area. Frustration, you're right. It gets a lot of people upset when they're trying to drive there and this thing's making frequent stops to no one because no one's uh, hopping on. It's a nice, you know, it looks nice. It's really just this cosmetic thing that's nice to a certain area that no one uses. And to think, 
for example, when you're going through budgeting, I'm sure you could probably find 1.2 million, a better use for that somewhere else if you were in control of all of it. Yeah, I think that, uh, so I, I think that from what I understand, uh, the, the folks in the St. Louis metropolitan area, they're, they're also scratching their heads wondering why should the people of Wood River, Illinois, or, or Fenton, Missouri, or uh, Arnold, why should the entire region bail this out? Uh, if, if anyone's going to bail it out, I think it should be the folks in University City, the business people. Right. And, you know, I know that you've um, also paid close attention to Metrolink. I know a lot of this is connected between Illinois and Missouri here. But when you think about the problems we've seen and the tragedies we've seen and then the state coming out saying that, no, the, the armed guard situation, we can't do it based on the study or whatever it is and these excuses that come out. And people are afraid to ride the Metrolink and the amount of crime that happens. And I think to myself, of all the things you could be spending money on, you got a lot of other things to deal with right now when it comes to public transportation and Metrolink. Yeah. Because the, probably the best thing you can be doing right now is trying to make that as safe as possible for the riders and really encouraging people to use that. But it's a huge discouragement when you read the news and you see all of the issues with it. And, yeah, if you're going to spend money somewhere, why don't you start with places that need it? I agree. If, if you're going to spend money, I think uh, you need to uh, look really hard at the, the Metrolink. I think the Metrolink security started to go to go in the wrong direction back in the spring of, of 2018 when uh, the East-West Gateway Council and uh, Bi-State went ahead and, I think, paid this consultant out of Portland $400,000 for an assessment. And then they came back in the spring of 19, and they were authorized for another 500000 They came back uh, maybe about eight months or nine months later with 99 recommendations, one of which was to disarm the security guards. And at that point, our two uh, board members on the Bi-State Board objected strongly. I spoke against it in the uh, East-West Gateway meeting in February. The agreement took place April 1st of 2020, so almost almost a year ago. Uh, we saw a, a young woman get beat up in early July of 2020 uh, when a security guard just looked on and perhaps felt that, that, that she couldn't do anything. Our county board in Madison County, Illinois, passed a resolution in July of July 15th of 2020, uh, basically warning the citizens that Metrolink was not safe and criticizing the new security agreement. And then, of course, we had the ultimate. Uh, I thought, well, we had a we had a security guard uh, push off the ramp, very very badly injured. I think that was in the fall. And then, of course, in, in the very end of January, we tragically had the uh, security guard who was murdered. So in February, uh, just this last month, our county board uh, passed another resolution. It passed unanimously, again, criticizing this new security agreement. I wonder, really, what could be done, because there's a public perception issue, because when people think about Metrolink, of course, they're going to think about the crime, but it's a real problem. And I've read different people's uh, accounts of what happens and you go online and people say oh it's great I've never had an issue but then you find out they were only riding to go to a Cardinals game when there's a lot of people around but the people that ride it day to day they say it's a regular occurrence to see people coming up asking for money selling drugs you know uh, harassing other people sometimes even assaulting other people and I, I hear about all of these things and I think man this is a terrible first impression for anyone that thinks 
Metrolink is this type of mass transportation that everyone uses, like all these other large cities. And if we really want to try to change the opinion of this area, we got to start with things like this and hit the crime and, and really stop it from where it starts. And it really does bother me to think that there's all this opposition to try to secure it, because something like that, I would believe, would make an, an immediate impact if they were to able to properly do so. I agree. Yeah. So when you try to fight this and you stand up and you say, we, we got to do these things, the opposition to it, how do you get past that? How do you actually try to be fruitful in a discussion where they're so set against it? Well, it is a difficult. In Madison County, Illinois, uh, as I said before, Missouri has five board members on the bi-state board. Illinois has five. Uh, St. Clair County has three. We have two. Uh, actually, I do believe that we have been punished in Madison County. Uh, we did have a, a, a law that was passed uh, last year that went through the Illinois General Assembly and it essentially took it took one bi-state seat away from us. And uh, when when the term of one of our commissioners ends in January of, of next year, we will have only one seat on the bi-state board. Hmm. So it is difficult to uh, to speak up. Sometimes you're penalized. Yeah. And, th- and that's a problem. And I feel like we're going to spend what you said, $400,000 for out-of-state consultants to put a report together when I'm sure they've had no investment into this area. I mean, we need people that actually live in this area, the ones that are invested into it to have the greatest say. It does bother me to think that we're going out of town into places that have their own issues and we're going to try to replicate something that doesn't necessarily work here. I think that people are kind of fed up about this. I'm sure you talk to people on a day-to-day basis, and when they bring this sort of thing up, they they got to be upset about it to you. Uh, from my impression, I mean, if you look at any part of the, if you talk to people in any part of the metro area in terms of all different types of people, there is a common consensus that the security guards should be armed. It's really not fair to the security guards to give them that label, security guard, and they don't have... They don't have the means to back it up. And then uh, so it's it's not, as we've seen, it, 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 it it's unsafe for the security guards and it's certainly unsafe for the passengers. Mm-hmm. I feel like a guard would would give you the impression that they have the ability to intervene when there is an issue. And I feel like sometimes when you talk about people that work at retail and they're told that not to interfere with anyone because it would make them liable and they could lose their job if they interfere. And I think if you're talking about people that are getting assaulted on a regular basis on the Metrolink or places like that. And uh, their directive is, well, they can't really step in or do anything. Then essentially what we have are witnesses, uh, not security guards. You could replace them with cameras and then after the fact, use the police to try to track them down. And I, I think about the, the the shame because it isn't, you know, all things considered, Metrolink is something that was looked at and was kind of praised in a lot of different ways to be able to connect this. I mean, there's things that could be done better. And there are people that defend it, but man, there's a lot of these scarecrows that are still up there that we have to to get out of there and, and we have to fix before we can actually claim it a victory. And, you know, I hope that there is some sort of change in the future. Do you, are you optimistic? Do you think that things might get better? I, I just don't know, but I, I am confident there's really a tremendous consensus among all different uh, types of people in all different regions of the St. Louis metro area that to leave the security agreement in place as it is, is not a good idea and that we really need to get uh we really need to to take a look the security agreement began april 1st of 2020 it's coming up on on one year and i think it's essential i think the people really believe that it has to be changed 
listen to the people. That's a good start. So Kurt Prenzler, uh, chair of the East West Gateway Council of Governments, also Madison County over in Illinois. You can see him on the county board there. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing this on KMOX. Thank you, Ryan. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Biggest takeaway I have, and I thought this was a really good insight from Kurt. Biggest takeaway is listen to the people on this one. you got to listen to the people. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. I saw there's a story over in Illinois on Fox 2's website. SIUE students could catch some rest in relaxation in what they call the nap pods in the campus library. (laughs) It's hard to explain what these things look like, but they're kind of like egg-shaped chairs where they have the big back to it that kind of folds over to the top. And it has this sliding door that would kind of complete the egg shape to it. So if you're sitting inside of it, it's kind of like half of an eggshell, and then you slide over the other half. So it kind of puts you into this little dome. Your feet would be out of the egg and elevated, kind of like you're in a lounger. And they have lights and things inside of it, and it's made to look very comfortable, nice and nice and comfy inside. And it's inside of their college library. And I saw this over on Fox 2. They're nap pods. And it's a trend not only in academic libraries and on university campuses, but you're seeing them in airports. You're seeing them in hospitals. Any place where people need to kind of rest and recharge. And that's really the purpose of them is to get away and do that. Uh, What do you think these are going to be used for, honestly? (laughs) They're going to be up to no good. I don't know if you're in using the library and you're someone that's an academic and I got to tell you, and I'm going to be honest with you in the four years I spent at central Michigan university, I think I stepped foot in the library five times if that, and it was a beautiful building. They just built this brand new one. It kind of looked like a a stadium in a way in Michigan. They used to have the stadium, the palace of Auburn Hills. It kind of looked like that. And you would go into it and it was only because a teacher forced you to do it. They, you were, were required to go to the library for something, but otherwise I was fine with the textbook and I was fine doing internet research and getting my material from anywhere else. I didn't spend a lot of time there. I can't imagine thinking to myself, wow, I I really need to go rest into the library because this is going to sound a little bit harsh. Isn't that kind of what homeless people do in St. Louis? They use the library as a place to rest. Not right now because of COVID, but anytime I've gone into a public library in the area, you know, there's a handful of regulars are there and you know exactly what they're doing there. They're not there to read a book or something. They just need a place to, uh, you know, put their feet up for a couple of minutes. When you're a student, is the library the best place for this? Uh, maybe. I don't know. This just seems weird. I- SIUE purchased a pair of pods in 2019 and it wasn't until January of 2021 that students in the dogged pursuit of an education could catch a catnap here. The, the, I like the play of words here. Patrick Clark does a good job with this one, doesn't the, he? The motivation was really to promote wellness, um, safety, um, increased learning, um, just sort of making the library kind of that third place for students. So, you know, they have where they live, they have their classrooms, but making a place where they can come and, um, you know, take a break, recharge, that kind of thing on campus. And that can be really important because SIUE being so close to St. Louis, we do have a considerable number of commuter students. Um, so sometimes people are driving, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Oh, the retro. 
So that 30-minute drive to the library, whoa, 30 minutes, whew. Now that is a trek. It's not like you're a trucker who has to pull off after going eight straight hours on the road or something like that. Whoa, hey, hey, you just traveled 30 minutes. Put your feet up. Whoa, boy, this was a tough, this was a tough one for you guys. <laughs> I also feel that if you're a college student and you kind of get used to this, it might be a fun little thing, but are you kind of setting this expectation that when you go into the workplace, it's going to be like this too? For me, when I was going through school, the whole point of school was to give me the best opportunity to get a job because I wanted to make money. And I thought to myself, it's not going to be like this forever. You know, college is fun and you have this opportunity to be with your friends, but you know, there's a time for all of this to end. Is this just kind of given the impression that when you get to your workplace or whatever, it's got to be one of these super hip places, you know, you, you walk around or you're on your hoverboard and there's foosball tables and there's the sleep pods in place. Uh, the retro sci-fi looking nap pods have lights and music to help recharge batteries and offer rest for a moment before it's back to the books and computers in the last eight weeks of the semester. You know what they're doing. I mean, they're essentially going in there and looking at their smartphone. I don't know how long you would be allowed to hold one of these up. Could you turn this into one of those Tom Hanks situations in that movie Terminal where he's stuck at the airport? Could you essentially say, you know, I don't want to pay four grand, five grand, six grand rent for board or whatever that it costs for a semester and say, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to rough it. I'll use the gym they have at the student activity center and then I'll just sleep in these pods. I'll kind of hide in one of these eggs all night. Is that a possibility? No, probably not. All right. So Tom Sullivan's joining us after the break. Local County Watchdog. I do want to talk about this loop trolley project and secret reporting that's going on when it comes to gambling license decisions. Ooh, Tom Sullivan, right after the break. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <laughs> 